Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Soulvox Radio presents Evolve with your host, Robin White Turtle Disney. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Disney. The show is Evolve, and my special guest today is Saeed. Afzal Hader, who is the senior editor of Chicago Quarterly Review. Uh, he's also a novelist, and he has been, among other things, an engineer and a social worker and a number of other things in his life. But today we're talking about his writing and about the review, because it's quite a, a wonderful volume. It's sought after by a lot of literati. <laughs> so uh, welcome, Saeed. It's wonderful to share with you and talk to you today. Well, thank you. <laughs> Robin, I appreciate this occasion to try to make something out of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hardly that. Hardly that. So, yeah. so Saeed, um, you've just published a big volume here, the South Asian uh, American issue, which is uh, huge, and it's a collection from Chicago Quarterly Review, isn't it? And we this was a special issue, but we the uh, if you see South Asian American, yeah. <laughs> said uh, we thought you know that uh, be nice to showcase the writing of South Asians who also happen to be American, not the other way around. Meaning, we, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of good writers who are South Asian, mm-hmm. Indians, Pakistanis. Um, English is written and spoken all over the world, and especially in India and Pakistan that used to be former, you know, British colonies. Mm-hmm. So this, uh, uh, so, but we thought we should bring the American part, uh, because it, it, I think all writing, especially in America, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, is of generally writing is of connect, disconnect, broken uh, whole. Uh, but I think uh, at some point everybody in America came from somewhere. I mean, other than of course our native. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Americans, which we have kind of forgotten or eliminated, whatever you did with them, or mm-hmm. just don't want to look at them. No, anyway, that's a different subject. Let's not go there. Uh, so we thought it would be good, great to do a South Asian issue, and I mm-hmm. should for, not forget that since I'm also a senior editor at the magazine, I thought it would be a good way to at least put at least one of my stories in there because mm-hmm. I'm a South Asian. I can yeah. <laughs> I have a full right to say, well, you know, I I write. So I, so that was the whole reason. We thought we should write and start a whole issue of South Asian writers. <laughs> <laughs> but in seriousness, I think it's a great collection. I, I was very impressed with mm-hmm. what we published and the level of writing it is. But I don't want to take almost... No credit for it, although, you know, I was actively involved in production of this issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we have Mozum Sheikh, uh, who is our guest editor, mm-hmm. and he basically curated the whole magazine. With, mm-hmm. I mean, we, the, 
I think the editors could be at time very controlling. They they do control what gets published. So we give him the, the full right to be our guest editor, but at the same time, myself, uh, since I'm the senior editor of the magazine and my co-senior editor, Elizabeth McKinsey, we told him that, yes, gather the stories and mm-hmm. we would still have the last word. Yeah. So that's my involvement, having the last word on this issue, but it actually is curated by Mawson uh-huh. and, and he's... Uh, deserve all the credit uh-huh. before I talk about myself in any way about this uh, this current issue. I mean, other issues, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm senior editor along yeah. with Lisa, so yeah. that's a different story that I can take more credit for, but I don't want to take way too much credit for the Asian American uh, issue. Yeah. I was happy that they included one of my stories in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, a year ago when I visited you in Chicago, uh, you were talking about developing that, yeah. and you were in the process of it, and now it's published. So, yeah, it's a long process to gather people's work and evaluate it and, and check it out and then see how you can put it together in a volume. That's great. And I don't think there is a, another volume that I know of about American South Asian poets no, or, or writers. writers. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's one of a kind. It's yeah. seriously... Granada did... South. I mean, American writers who, who are of South Asian descent. And at least my guest editor... Who, who happened to <laughs> Mosem review the Granada uh, uh, issue of South Asian writing or Pakistan? I, mean, I think he did just Indian Pakistani writing. I should know a little bit better, but mm-hmm. I think I'm close to what I'm saying. And somehow they asked Mosem, who he reviews, he's also a publisher, he's also a librarian by vocation. So anyway, he reviewed it. And when I asked him if he would guest edit, this issue, he was very happy, mm-hmm. and of course, it's biased. He thinks he, he and our issue is better than any issues on, on this subject. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. very proud of that. I'm very happy with. And since I've read the writing, I can say, yeah, it's one of them. Uh, really. And what also I think the big difference is that Granada, because they're round and have been one of the, you know, I'm. I don't want to take anything away from what that magazine is. That's one of the good, great, if not great, very good magazine. Mm-hmm. But because they were so good, a, they went to for Rushdies and, and I don't know, and mm-hmm. Desai, the really name brand writers, which, mm-hmm. which who are all good. Yeah. But our idea was that we want to bring the writers that not most people know and and again as much as I keep on joking about myself that I have to have this issue so I can have one of my stories in there <laughs> in fairness um, I mean I have quite a few stories published and uh, I mean nobody knows who I am and it's okay I mean not every writer is going to be big and famous but when a magazine is putting an anthology and they only go for the big names the right. magazine does sell because yeah. the people's oh Salman Rushdie is here, or Anita Desai is here, or whatever, which is good for everybody, but you want to give some time and chance for underdogs, so to speak, or those who are good writers but do not get their fair share. 
Yeah, there is kind of this cumulative um, success uh, snowball that happens with writers where they've, they've been writing for a long time, they get a lot of acclaim, and then everybody wants them. And the new writers or the younger writers don't always have a chance, and or they have less of a chance to get their work out there and to, to be known. And, of course, you know, who can argue with Salman Rushdie? <laughs> yeah. But... Um, not to say that he's a terrible writer. <laughs> no, 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 no. Who would not want to write, to write like that? I mean, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm from that part of the world. And yeah. I, I mean, I don't want necessarily have his voice, but I have to say that, yeah, he's a fabulous writer. Fabulous no, no. writer, without a doubt. But it's wonderful to hear new voices that are, you know, may have been writing for years and haven't gotten this kind of attention. So I think it's wonderful that you've done that, uh, that volume. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, how you got to be doing the Chicago Quarterly Review. And we were, you were before we started, you were telling me a wonderful story about how you started writing. And uh, I wondered if you'd share that with uh, my, my listening audience here. Because you started in a workshop, right? You were a social worker. and Yeah, I mean, the, when I started uh, writing, it was sort of... We, I thought, well, I, uh, I was a social worker then and thought that I can also, since I write, you know, case histories and diagnostic reports or whatever social workers do in takes, uh, so, and so I thought now at some point I begin to feel like maybe I can also write, write, write short stories or tell stories. Uh-huh. And so... I was 50 plus, uh, I don't know, 55 maybe, and oh. you know, maybe anyway, someday it's, uh, it's been 20 plus years that I've been writing and I'm 70, some 70. Uh, so uh, uh, I went to University of Chicago and, and they have these writing programs and I was not a degree program, but nevertheless, you uh, you get teachers who teach. So we was so many of you know whoever joined it, but most of the people who were starting this class were uh, doctors, lawyers, engineers, social workers who either thought they can write or they have a story to tell. So it was not like a young freshman class for writers or writer to be it was class for those who were disgruntled or disappointed in their or ambitious or, <laughs> <laughs> or misguided <laughs> they, they can become a writer so this was all you know mature I don't know my age. they were definitely older folks to go to college uh-huh. and we uh, so many of us end up with this woman named Mali Ramanujan. Uh-huh. She was an uh, amazing woman. She was a very good writer. Uh-huh. I don't know how good a writer she was, but she was a very good teacher. Uh-huh. She has her own method of how to, you know, tell a story, write a story or not, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. And was it fiction primarily that yeah. you were working on? Uh-huh. Yeah, that was the idea that uh-huh. you know, fiction would be easy to write because you can make up the stories. Uh-huh. So we were with her and so many of us just will do, 
she was a brutal woman <laughs> as well uh, yeah she would because anybody could register for that class because there were no prerequisites it was i mean you have to have some kind of college degree i believe to, yeah, to take to uh, in, yeah. in the class but uh, after after that she was not uh, it was not on her control anybody could register for that class yeah and she will have to put up with them but but then she will offer the following class she, uh, and and some of the students she will just say uh, she'll just said you're done uh, yeah. i don't think i can teach you much or what how, i don't know how she did it but she yeah. just drop some of the student will not be in her next class uh uh-huh. and there was no rule about it because she they only were offer the introductory writing kind of class and yeah. after that she will make up the next class yeah and then this is when she picked and choose who want to be in her class uh-huh. so some of us were fortunate enough and she liked us enough to follow her through so we all become mali ramanujan groupie but it also <laughs> was a, you know she was a good person to follow and yeah, and learn like from it. so we and then but it was also nice about her was that she published a magazine some association with the university i don't know how she found her funding but this her problem or was her problem mm-hmm. some of us got published if she like her writing she would uh, publish it mm-hmm. the one thing i forgot to mention in really talking about mali was that she also had uh, you, you have lived in chicago briefly yeah. they in chicago is on the south side there's, mm-hmm. there's an old woodland pub which is uh, all the big and famous people who were in Chicago alumnus and uh, famous writer mm-hmm. they they used to meet there and give readings mm-hmm. and mali insisted that every writer has to to find his or her voice they have to give a reading mm-hmm. so she, and she managed to find an arrangement with the Woodland pub owner that there was a room in the back and there was a mic and, and you could give a read there. So, so that was also helpful. But coming back to Mali, she wasn't getting published. After two years, she told so many of us that this is how far we can go with her and, uh-huh. we, and she doesn't think that... not that we cannot learn more she cannot teach us anymore right. uh, she doesn't have anything at to what we have done with her uh, in two years and this is it go get go out and do your writing mm-hmm. and she is the one who suggested that we since we all got to know each other in doing this those two years uh, mm-hmm. it was like catamaran and we keep on going back to in the same <laughs> same moment to learn yeah. so she made us uh say why, why didn't you form your own peer group and just yeah. keep on working on your writing right critique and mm-hmm. so we we did that and after getting published by Mali and her the magazine that she established we all thought well we must be good writers we get published so therefore it's good and and then we all were decent writer decent some of them were pretty good uh, and we 
send it rejection no response <laughs> rejection no response uh-huh. and after about a year in the life of the group we all i said this is not working and i said why don't we start our own magazine and they said are you crazy how can you and i said well, what does it take to start a magazine so that's what uh, and they said well at least to start with money and then some kind of editorial staff and mm-hmm. so on and so forth and i said well money and those days i few dollars to spend so i said well i can produce the money and how much it will cost about 3 to 500 dollar for about you know 100 150 copies and i thought that was plenty to start a small magazine so hence the chicago orderly was born and hence i'm the so called founder of the magazine because i put the initial cash but i feel good about the magazine that you know for a very humble beginning i think we are one of the very respectable journal yeah uh, absolutely and that's that's very satisfying and um, we have good group of people that mm-hmm. it's all totally voluntary we, we, we don't have any paying staff here wow all volunteer that's amazing we're going to stop right here for a second said and we'll continue talking about the chicago quarterly review I'm with Said Hader who is the uh founding editor and senior editor of the Chicago Quarterly Review along with Elizabeth McKenzie and we'll be right back. This is uh Evolve and I'm Robin White Turtleisky. Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts and culture with your host Robin White Turtleisky. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific time for Evolve. Hi, I'm Robin Whitechurtelisney. and i'm glad that you're listening to my show evolve i wanted to let you know about a new book that i have called mosaic new and collected poems it's a, a volume of 30 years of poetry uh that i'm very excited about and it's being published by bluebone books uh in addition to that i also have dancing up the moon uh living a sacred life uh more recent books are heart path heart path handbook and poems for the lost deer all of these books uh the last 3 books are published by bluebone books i'm also an energy medicine practitioner and i am a psychic and a medium and i've been a radio host on evolve for a number of years about 5 years where i interview authors on the cutting edge of change authors who are uh, writing innovative things authors who are exploring uh new consciousness and also bringing old traditions back into the current time to help us uh at this time of uh the world and uh, now we'll go back to the show hi we're back this is robin whitechurt listney the show is evolve and i'm I, i'm with said hader who is the editor of chicago quarterly review And uh we were just talking before the break about the magazine and uh what I 
want to ask you, uh, Saeed, is um, where are you distributed and how do you get the word out about the Chicago Quarterly Review? Because it's such a great magazine. So we, we, we are available on Amazon and, and some in Chicago area and the local bookstore and even in San Francisco. So I think yeah, that's great. And about how many issues do you, do you print per issue now. And well, so this uh, is what twenty some years later that yeah, you start. Uh, we, the, we publish about five hundred per issue. What mm-hmm. is good is that on demand and Amazon carries us. Mm-hmm. So they uh, we have a very small subscription base but, uh, to be honest, uh, the local bookstores say mm-hmm. do carry us but Mm-hmm. I think at best we sell about 50 to 80 copies per issue locally mm-hmm. from the bookstores, I mean. Mm-hmm. But I think we get it, and then we have a small subscription base. Yeah. And But I think Amazon is very helpful, mm-hmm. and also we have very faithful writers who appreciate that they were published, either they buy some kind of subscription or they send it to their family, so... Mm-hmm. Each issue depends, you know, how many we publish and yeah. Uh, yeah, how yeah. successful that given issue. But yeah. we definitely produce about 500 plus copies and uh, 500 copies or so and then whatever Amazon sale for us and uh-huh. so it adds up. Yeah, that's great. Well, it, it's always a, um, I mean, that's a very respectable number of copies to put out. You do it uh, once a month or is it... Tri-quarterly or, or, or Well, uh, we feel <coughs> when we started, you know, some of our subscribers used to say that, you know, they didn't get their issue because, uh, and they will, we even wrote our ed- editor page that, you know, it probably is an occasional quarterly because... Occasional <laughs> quarterly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but um, okay. I don't think we, uh, in fairness to quarterly, uh, we ever work quarterly, meaning yeah. we did not produce four issues in a, any given year. And uh-huh. even now, we, at best, we have done three issues per year. Uh-huh. Uh, and when we say uh, subscribe to us, we promise them three copies per uh-huh. subscription and we don't tell them in you know, how many years they will <laughs> take, <laughs> take well, them to receive their three copies but, uh-huh. <laughs> but often it is either within year or sometime year and a half yeah so yeah. they'll get their three copies uh, well it's you know literary magazines don't tend to have a ton of copies. It's not like 27,000 or something. But the influence of this magazine has been pretty strong, especially throughout um, the literary world, as far as I know. So I'm very excited um, that you're here talking with us. So we're going to take a little break, and we'll come back. And I'd like to have you read some of your work, Saeed, and, um, if you will. Okay, when we come back. So yeah. this is Robin Maitre-Delisney. I'm with... Uh, Saeed Haider, uh, and uh, the show is Evolve, and we'll be right back. Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture, with your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. 
We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Evolve. And we're back. This is Robin White Turtle listening. The show is Evolve, and we're with Saeed Hader, who is of the senior editor of Chicago Quarterly Review, and he is going to be reading from some of his work. Uh, we have a story. In, he has a story in the new edition of South Asian American that was published by uh, Chicago Quarterly Review. And uh, so, take it away, Saeed. Maybe should I start? I'm okay. should I? Hmm. You're going to start at the beginning or you're going to start there? Okay, go for it. Uh, there was this self-contained piece here somewhere. I thought I can read from there. Uh, all right, no, I should not take too much time to get somewhere. Maybe it will make something will make sense. All right, this might be short enough. Uh, one week after the death of my father in Pakistan, I packed for the return trip home. Into my carry-on bag, I put the portrait of my mother that Baba had painted when she was a young woman, as well as an unfinished self-portrait of Baba. I took two, book, two of his books, a biography of Muhammad and a volume of poetry of Ghalib. Also his silver beetle tin and his diary from 1930 to 1937. A thick black leather bound notebook with his name engraved on it in fading gold silver letters. My non-stop flight from Karachi to Amsterdam made an emergency stop in Cairo to fix a plumbing problem. The toilets would not flush. After more than four hours' delay, my plane landed at Shippool Airport. The speaker played the Beatles, Good Day Sunshine. It was raining in Amsterdam. I had missed my Amsterdam to Chicago flight, connecting flight. There would not be another one until the next day. I did not care. There was no rush. My My father was no longer dying. From the airport, I booked a room and hotel museum. I stayed there before <coughs> Before a great location, a quiet street, two blocks from the Jigs Museum. In a night's journey, I had traveled from 118 degrees Fahrenheit in Karachi to 54 degrees Fahrenheit in Amsterdam, not counting the temperature at the Cairo airport. I took a train to, to Central Station and a cab to my hotel. Leaves were green, the flowers market on sig- single sig- single was busy. Amsterdam is a city with a beauty mark that both adds to it and takes something away. Indians have a tradition. They put a black dot on a beautiful face to ward off the evil face. Mm-hmm. Shall I just stop here? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. So that is a, a short story. Is that a a biographical story for you about is it autobiographical uh, I am one of those people who believe that all fiction is biographical it, it, for me all fiction is biographical I uh-huh. I make make up the facts even in this story there's a 
part that's totally made up, although, I, you know, you can call it a pers- personal essay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the stories are based on some real happening. My writing, I'm talking, of course. Yeah. Uh, they're based on some real happening, but after that, uh, you manipulate it to what would be readable uh, or not readable. I mean, real life sometimes could be dull. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we spike up. I mean, every time you tell a given story, the factual story, you saw an accident, yes. uh, and the first time you'll describe, there'll be a certain way, and the next time you're telling the same accident, and I think I would not tell exactly the same way. It would not be it's the same facts. Yeah. I may even... Forget the color of the car, the red car colliding with the blue one, the next time it will be yellow colliding with the black. I, know, I, mean, I don't think we made that kind of obvious mistake, but my point is that you, nobody is fixed on uh, facts. Right. Uh, I mean, we, we don't intentionally do it, but I think somehow our memory does it to us. I don't know what it happens, but... Yeah, we embellish stories. I mean, I think everybody embellishes stories to some extent. You tell you tell something over and over again, and another little thing gets added. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, but basically, uh, my story just about uh, uh, all have a stories of disconnect and not alien and. An outsider mm. and not having home, uh-huh. but they all. Are, uh, I'm a big fan of John Fowles. I mean, he mm-hmm. said, uh, for him at least, his point of view of writing was that all of our stories come from lost domain or scan, mm-hmm. and uh, it may or may not be true for all writers, but for me, that is the case. I. Lost well, domain. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah uh-huh. Something that was there and not there anymore, uh, yeah. and and it's it's part of my life because I've lived in India, born in India, lived in Pakistan, came to America, and mm-hmm. moved around, whatever. But uh, and it's, it could be anybody's life. But um, for me, mm-hmm. I'm always feel outsider. Whether I mean, when I go in America, I mean, I'm, I don't feel. At home, but I feel like an outsider. I mean, I have a home and a family and friends, so it's, it that provides a base mm-hmm. uh, uh, and a home. But still, I sometimes just feel like, you know, what, what am I doing here? Why, how right. did I get here? Yeah, yeah, how did I get here? I have that, and I was born <laughs> in this country, so I understand what you're talking about. And and I think they're right that loss is such a huge topic for people, whether it's moving to another country or loss of family or, you know, loss of people in your life, that it, it, it's, that's, uh, writing keeps swirling around it in many cases. I mean, it's not all write, writers write about, but it certainly is a huge topic because it affects people so, so um, drastically. When change happens, it flips your whole life around. Yeah. And everything is, uh, you know, the, the immigrant story, it, it keeps being an important story because it happens, it's happened to many of us, you know. So, yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. 
Yeah, I, I think especially in America. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I I lived in long time. In, I mean, I was nineteen. I said uh, uh, when I left that black part of the world, mm-hmm. but it's maybe just my fantasy or my you know what I don't have. I feel those who stayed in one place and have their home and the family and they always stayed there. Mm-hmm. Uh, their stories probably are going to be different than those of us. Uh, who, for whatever reason, are not, you know, grounded there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and also, I think America is a very mobile society, it probably is. more mobile than any other places in the world. I mean, because uh, I've been in France, and, you know, some of those villagers lived there for 30, 15 generations yeah. in England, you know, all those dukes, and <laughs> they all have their own palaces, <laughs> <laughs> so, and it, so same as in India, those they all live in the same place, and they've always lived there. Yeah. But those of us who somehow got lost, and yeah, yeah, so I, I'm one of those. Well, yeah, and it, it is, it is a. Um, I'm always kind of in awe of people that are in the one location, yeah, their whole lives. Too. I actually met somebody at the conference here, uh, who was born in Santa Cruz lived in Santa Cruz, I think they might have been born in L.A. or something, mm-hmm. but they lived in Santa Cruz their entire life. And I, you don't meet too many people in Santa Cruz that have lived there their entire life. But I was shocked because I thought, wow, you're probably the first person I've met that has actually been born, raised, and stayed in Santa Cruz. Yeah. And um, I know for myself, my hometown, everybody's left. You know, like mm-hmm. all the people I knew, a few people are still there, but... Uh, the kids tend to leave, and sometimes they come back, but um, uh, very often there's there's kind of this migratory thing in America that I think we, we're always moving, we're always yeah. shifting, always changing. So it's always kind of miraculous that people are in one location. <laughs> no, it, that's a very good uh, point, because I, I know I have two boys, I'm two sons, and, uh, and what I... Realize, I mean, one now is living in New York, and uh-huh. the other one is living in Portland, Oregon. Uh-huh. And I know neither one of them are going to come home to live in, in Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating. Well, thank you so much uh, to talk about the quarterly review. Is there um, now you publish this like you said three times a year? Yeah, something three to like four that. times a year. <laughs> Promise of four times, three times, uh-huh. <laughs> that's what the actually uh, maybe I should say this. Uh, we when we started it, we thought we were never able to produce you know uh-huh. quarterly. So we, but we, one of the friend who helped in, with the initial group of the people uh, editors, he wanted us to be Chicago Review, uh-huh. and so. We got, you know, you have to get registered and get the publishing number or whatever it's called. You know, yes. and we have it here ISBN somewhere. Number. Uh, right. Yeah. And all that. So we said, okay, Chicago Review, let's get registered. Uh-huh. And we applied and they said, uh, no, University of Chicago has Chicago, Court, uh, Chicago Review. Yeah. University of Chicago, I didn't know that then. I know now. Yeah. That they published Chicago Review. Uh-huh. So now, I say, well, I guess we, if we add quarterly to the name, then we could still get registered. Uh-huh. So hence the quarterly. Uh-huh. But 
uh, in fairness to those who may want to subscribe to it, no, there's no, you will not get four shoes in one year. <laughs> we promise you will get you three shoes, <laughs> maybe in a year, or maybe in a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, you're all volunteers, so, you know, even the quality of it, it's amazing that you've produced such a high-quality magazine with all volunteer staff. I mean, that's kind of amazing right there. So, yeah. It's great. Well, I so appreciate talking to you, Saeed. I don't have to plug in uh, Elizabeth, but she is amazing in terms of all she does. And also, she brought this magazine, Chicago Quarterly, to a different level because her contacts and connections are different than mine. And and that does happen with the the higher you get in the writing (laughs) world. You meet different category of writers, and and she's... She's involved with them and yeah. brings them into the magazine, yeah. so that's terrific. Well, great. I've been talking to Saeed Absal Haider. Uh, Saeed is the uh, senior editor of Chicago Quarterly Review, and he's part of Catamaran Writing Conference, and we're here at the Catamaran Writing Conference recording this today. So, Saeed, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Robin. Yeah, and I, I hope this uh, helps the magazine a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, we mail, the magazine could be mail, and it's also available at uh, Amazon, so yeah. they don't have to ever contact us. Just buy the magazine from Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> but we get more money if you buy directly from us. <laughs> yes, always, yes. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much, Saeed. All right, thank you very much. Okay, Robin. this is Robin, my turtle is me. The show is Evolve. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time for Evolve with Robin White Turtle Lisney, Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m.